Let's go, let's go, Okay, we are on Chaf Gimel Amud Beis. We are learning Lili Nishmas, my mother, Imi Marasi, Necham, Baschaim Zedel. Lili Nishmas, all the Kadoshim, our Achinu Kol Beis Yisrael, whose lives have been taken from us since October 7th. And we learn B'Zachus Archayalim. He should be victorious very soon to eradicate the evil of Hamas and all of our enemies from our midst. Okay, we're on Chaf Gimel Amud Beis. We did the Mishnah last episode. Let's just recap. The Mishnah lists, it is an entire list of those things that you need a minion for. Just want to go through them once again. So it says, Ein porsin al shema. This is the Mishnah on the top of the, of the Amud. When you're not allowed to do porsin al shema, which we said was where people came late, they formed their own minion, and the rest of the Tzibur already said the Shema. So you have someone saying Baruch, you say Kaddish, then Baruch, and then the first Bracha of the Berachos Kriya Shema. And then Be'en over in you don't have a Chazin, or you don't have Berchas Kohanim, you know, you're not going to read from the Torah or have a Maftir. You're not going to then do uh, what we said, which was a practice, what they would do as they were bringing a mace, uh, someone who has died to their burial. They would stop seven times, they would stand, they would sit. You're not supposed to say Berchas Avelim or Tanchumi Avelim or Berchas Chasanim, that being Sheva Brachos, and you're not supposed to have. A zimun with the name Shem Hashem Elokecha Elokeinu, right? You're not supposed to have that. Pachos Masar, all these without ten. And then the last two cases are with a karkos Tisha Vakohen. And if you have land which was consecrated, you want to redeem it, you have to go through the process of assessing with a nine Israelim and one Kohen and Adam Kiotzebenin as well. Um, if, a, if a person consecrated themselves, they sanctify themselves to the Migdash, you also have that process of redeeming themselves with nine and one coin. So now the Gemara has to go through each and each and every one. But the first thing that they want to try and figure out is where do we get this idea of needing 10? Right? All these things you can't do without a minion. What is so significant about having 10 adult male Yidin? So where do we know this? Where do we know that you need 10? Or where do we know that 10 brings the Kedusha? Because the Pasuk says in Vayikra, Chaf Beis Lamed Gimel, it says, V'nikdashti b'soch b'nei Yisrael. I shall be sanctified within, betoch, amongst the Jewish people, b'nei Yisrael. We learn from here, Kol davar shebekedusha lo yehe pachos me'asar. Anything which is a thing of kedusha, which has a holiness to it, then lo yeh pachos me'asar. You can't have any less than 10. Now the truth is we still didn't really prove that you need 10. So the Gemara has to still prove that Kedusha, the Nikdashti, that you're supposed to sanctify me, Betoch, within the Jewish people, that the Kedusha that we're sanctifying Kedusha with is through the Betoch B'nai Yisrael, which is at least 10. So let's see. So my mashma, where does this imply that, you know, 10 is the thing that brings the Kedusha? The tiny Rebichia, as Rebichia taught, Asya Toch Toch. So we have this Gezerah Shava, comes the word Toch Toch, as we just said, Nikdashti Toch B'nai Yisrael, right? We're supposed to sanctify me within amongst the Jewish people. And we have another toch, ksiv hacha, as it writes here, as we just said. Uch siv hasan writes over there, this is in Bamidbar, Parak Tes Zion, Pasuk Chaf Alf, is talking about Korach Ve'edah, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe and Aaron, Hi badalu mi toch ha'edah, I want you to separate yourself from within this assembly, this Eidah, this assembly, mitoch within this assembly, you separate yourself, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, so I can destroy them, it happens to be at that moment, both Moshe and Aaron fall on their face. They don't want to see such destruction. However, right, it's Baruch saying, remove yourself from within this Eidah. Okay, so we have one more step. So we still didn't really prove that 
if you want to say Korach was only 10 men, that might be one thing, but it's not so clear. It seems like it was more than just 10 men who was uh, who were joining Korach in his evil plan to try and um, depost uh, both Moshe and Aaron. So the Asya, so now we have the second thing. So we had Toch Toch. So we have the Gdashi Betoch Ben Israel. We also have Hibadlu Mitoch Ha'eda. And now we have the word Eda, the Asya, Eda, Eda. And then this third part of the puzzle, which is we have Eda and Eda, assembly and assembly, another Gezer Shava, Dichsev, as it writes, Hasam, over there, that being in Bamidbar Parakir Dalad Pasuk Chavzain, it says, how long, how long will it be this Eida, this assembly which is evil? Now that's referring to the Miraglim, the spies. Now, how many people were eagle? We're sorry, how many people were evil? So we had 10, right? We had Yoshua and Kalev were not included. They were the Tzadikim, but there was only 12 spies. So the other 10 are the Eida Hara. So we see Eida, Malahalon, just like over there by by the uh, Miraglim Asar, it was 10. So Avkan, so to hear Asar, it's 10 as well. It sounds like it's saying, so to hear by Korach, it was 10. Okay, so wow, maybe it was 10. But you see Ada is 10. So we have 10 and 10. We have we have 10 by the Miraglim, we have 10 by Korach. And now within the Pasuk of Korach, you have Mitoch from within the 10. So now when it says, V'nikdashti b'toch b'nei Yisrael, sanctify me within the Jewish people, it means at least with 10 from the Jewish people, sanctify me. I shall be sanctified. Ah, beautiful. So that is the proof text. I always like to think that if the proof text of the 10, right, the initial 10 that we learned was the Eda Hara'ah, the evil assembly of the Miraglim. So in a way, every single minion where you have 10 is a way of uh, of being metakain, to totally fixing that initial failure of the of the original Eda Hara'ah. We have to have an Eida Tova, that being our Minyanim to do Dvarim Shavik Dusha. Okay, so that is the proof as to how Kedusha needs 10. And whenever you have 10, now you have the opportunity to bring Kedusha. So therefore, all the things in the Mishnah needed 10 because they are Dvarim Shavik Dusha in a certain for a certain in a certain degree. So the Ein Osin Ma'amad Moshe Pachos Masar. So we're jumping to that case. It seems like the mission the Gemara is jumping to the case of which is like the fifth or sixth case in the Mishnah of where you're not supposed to stand or sit less than ten when it comes to escorting the mace to his burial or to her burial. Right. So they would have this thing where they would stop, they would give certain divre hespid, and then they would stand up again and continue walking, and they would stop around seven times. The truth is we kind of do this. You're supposed to top, stop seven times. And we have the Menhag of singing Yosha B'Seser Elyon. So we kind of still continue this. So it's uh, maybe that should only happen if you have 10. That is not necessarily, this is not necessarily Psak Halacha, uh, but it's interesting to maybe connect the pieces here. Okay, so anyways, so you have, you don't do the Ma'amaru Moshe Pachas Me'asara. Why? Kevan de Bayelamemar, since it's required to say, who's saying this? You have the, um, it could be like the Rav, the one who is, officiating where they would say so they would say as they were walking they would say stand precious ones stand and sit precious ones or honor, honored, honored ones sit so therefore if you have less than 10 it doesn't it's not appropriate it's not right to then it's not the way of the land to do such a thing with such a small assembly you really need 10 to mark this type of uh, procession, this type of minhag. Okay, now it sounds like from this example that it's not necessarily connected to Dvarim Shibik Dusha. It might be, but I think that's maybe why the Gemara did not quote the first 
you know, six cases, which had all to do with tefillah and kedusha and kaddish, right? Whereas here, it's more of like the the formality of giving the proper honor. You need at least ten. Okay, and then it says We also don't say on the way back from the levaya. You don't say those two when you have less than ten. So now the Gemara wants to just ask, my birchas avelim, what exactly was the bracha for the mourners? It was a birchas rechava. It was a bracha in like the square outside of the cemetery where they would give certain brachot to the avelim and maybe as well the avelim would get, would say something back in return. Um, um, so that was the birchas avelim. And then, so that's, that was the question. So when was it? It was by the square out when they left the, the cemetery after the Leviah. As Rabbi Yitzchak said, the birchas avelim, yes, you need 10. And however, the 10 you need has to be besides for the avel because they are giving bracha to the avel. And that's why it has to be 10 besides him. However, you also need 10. However, the chasanim are also included in the minion, and it could very well be because the brachos that are being said by Sheva brachos is not necessarily only focused on giving it to the chasan and the kala, but rather it's like the totality of, of giving a bracha to what marriage is and all the concepts and, and um, beautiful ideals of marriage that as well is what is focused on. And therefore, we can include the chasan in the 10 to be able to say the sheva brachos, the virchas chasanim. And then the next case was ve'in mezamnin al hamazon. We also don't have zimun, don't have the quorum of people saying, you know, rabu sainivarech, things of that nature. B'shem. You don't say you don't say mezamin with the name of Hashem, the nevarech elokeinu, pachos me'asara. You don't say that with less than 10. You could still you still have a zimun when you have three and above, but less than ten you don't say Hashem's name. Why? Because since you would need to say Nevarech, let us bless Lelokenu to our God. Less than ten, it's not the way of the land to say that. So once again, this idea of Lav Orech Ara, why isn't it saying that it's Dvarim Shibikdusha? So it sounds like this is not necessarily Dvarim Shibikdusha, but to say Hashem's name, it's not the proper way, it's not the proper etiquette to say it with less than ten. You need ten, you need that quorum there to really get the feel that this is something very significant. Okay. Now, by the way, just the formality of this Gemara, it, it does sound a little a little choppy in that it says, since you need to say Nevarach Lelokeinu, but you only need to say Nevarach Lelokeinu when you have 10. And so it sounds like we want, we, we really want there to be said Nevarach Lelokeinu. Maybe that's what it is. We so because we really want there to we we want to be able to say Hashem's name. That's why we have to make sure we at least have at least ten. Okay, a question there, Sarachian. Okay, now the the last two cases of the Mishnah were these interesting cases of where one where it's Hakarkos Tisha Vakoin Adam where you had a land that one consecrated. How are you supposed to redeem it? How do you assess it? So he said you have nine uh, Yisraelim and one Kohen and Adam Kiotzeben and a person as well. If for some reason they somehow consecrated themselves, and to redeem themselves, you would need the t- nine and the one. So, where do we know this whole concept of that you have nine Yisraelim and one Kohen? So, this is interesting. So, Amar Shmuel, so Shmuel says, Shmuel says, Asara Kohanim Ksuvim Beparsha, so you have ten times in, in Perik Chaf Zayin in Vayikra, it talks all about um, the value of certain things, of lands, 
So it says Kohen, and the idea that you need to assess and how much is everything worth. So it says Kohanim, Ksuvim, Parsha, Asara Kohanim, Ksuvim, Parsha. You have the word Kohanim or Kohen 10 times in that Parsha. So now how do we derive from those 10 times Kohen it says? So look at this. It says Chad Legufe. So one, you take one time it says Kohen to say Legufe for the Kohen himself, that you need at least when you're going to assess or redeem something which is Hegdish, you need at least one Kohen. And then it says... You have but you could also say ve'idach and skip, maybe skip those two words, maybe maybe include them here. Fine. So one kohen is to exclude ve'idach have miot achar miot, and then the rest are going to be in exclusion after an exclusion. Now here's the rule: ve'ain miot achar miot el rabos, and therefore an exclusion after an exclusion in the Torah. When it just says kohen, 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 that's every time after the first time it says kohen, it's really excluding any other party but kohanim. But when it continues to say that, there's this rule that there's no exclusion after an exclusion unless it's there to actually increase and add something else. So what, is, what do we say? Larabos is actually coming to include Tisha Yisrael and Vechad Kohen. It's coming to include that you can have nine Yisraelim and one Kohen. It's so interesting. I mean, it says Kohen once. Then after it says Kohen once, it says Kohen again to kind of say that that one Kohen has to be a Kohen and not a Yisrael. But then when it keeps on saying Kohen, it's kind of saying like it's breaking down and saying Kohen, but not really Kohen, it's Yisrael. Then another Yisrael, then another Yisrael, as it continues to say Kohen. So we derive from there, you have nine and one. But then the Gemara asks, wait a second, shouldn't you say though that, learn it like this, you have one Kohen, then the next Kohen and it says, that's the exclusion, includes an Yisrael. Then you have a Kohen again, so that's one Kohen. Then the next Kohen would come to exclude after an exclusion, which would add a Yisrael. So it really should be five and five, not nine and one. So the Gemara concludes, Kasha, it's a good question, no answer. Okay. But it's a good question. Okay, and then the next part was Adam Kiyotzeben, and the same thing would be that if a person consecrates himself to to redeem him, you would need nine and one. So Adam, the Gemara asks Adam, Mikadosh, Adam, who, who's sanctifying a person? What's going on there? We have animals, we have objects. Who's sanctifying a person? So Amar Rabbi Avos, Rabbi Avos says Beomer Demei Alai, where a person says, "My value is upon me." Like my value is upon me. How much I'm worth is supposed to go to the Migdash. The time is those Omer If a person says Demealai that my value is upon me, I guess to consecrate to the Migdash, Shamino Sokeva, we evaluate him like we would by a servant or by a slave. That's really the uh, the market value when it comes to how do we value a person, how do we get their worth when it comes to Hegdesh. So then we say the Eved. So now because we say we evaluate him, assess him like we would a servant, a slave, the Eved is Kashlakarkos, and we've already established in other Gemaras that a servant is comparable to land. Dirsiv as it writes in the Torah, in Vayikra, Parachafhe, Pasak Memvav, it says, you will inherit to them to your children, talking about when you have a servant, when you have an Eved, Acharechem that come after you, Lureshes Achuza, to inherit them for a possession. Now it's using the word achuza, possession, which usually is referred to as karkaos, and anachala, that's usually referred to as karkaos, but it is using these terms when it's talking about an eved. So really the Torah does compare eved or avdus, avdut, that which is owned by a family, to karkaos, just like the karka stays within the family, so to the eved as well stays within the family. And therefore, okay, so there is certain value of hegdesh when it comes to a person, but the only way you can figure out that evaluation is by seeing what the value would be regarding an Eved. Okay, up to the next Mishnah. 
Hakore A person who reads it from the Torah, you're not supposed to have less than three Pesukim. We kind of spoke about this already, but here we're having actually seeing it in the Mishnah. Okay, don't read less than three Pesukim. And you're not supposed to read for the translator more than one Pesuk at a time. Okay, so the Balkori reads one Pesuk, then the Maturgamon, he reads one Pesuk. And as we said, we don't do this anymore, but it used to be... Um, used to be a, a uh, well-known practice that, yes, they had a maturgamon, they had a translator, and they still do this, I think, in Yemenite uh, circles, where, yeah, you have a maturgamon, he translates into Aramaic what the Pasuk uh, was, what the Pasuk is. He kind of reads Targamunculus. Okay, but you can't do more than one Pasuk at a time. Because what's going to happen? The maturgamon, he's doing this uh, by heart, you know, he's translating it by heart, and he might not be able to remember more than one pasuk at a time. However, uva navi shlosha. But when it comes to navi, when it comes to the haftar, when you're reading from the navi, you could do three pesukim at a time. And Rashi says the reason why we're not so concerned by navi because there's really no halachic inference. We don't um, we don't give uh, psak. We don't we don't give halachic rulings based on the navi. So therefore. We're not so concerned that if there was some little mistake regarding the translation. Therefore, you can do three at a time, and therefore it won't be as much of a tircha for the tzibor. It, it will take short, uh, a short amount of time if you do three at a time, and not one, 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 and then one translation. Okay, we're on Chaf Dalad Amad Aleph, continuing the Mishnah. If let's say though you have three psukim in a row that were three different, we'll call them three different parshios, or three different topics, three psukim in a row, then in that case, and this is by the Navi, then Then in that case though, you have to read one pasuk at a time and let him translate. Because if it's a different topic, then you got to just respect the topics as they are, let him read it, and then let him translate one at a time. And then medalgim Navi, we're allowed to skip from one Navi to another. We're not allowed to skip as we're reading the Torah from one place of the Torah to another place in the Torah, like to roll the parchment and to read from one place to another. And how much are you allowed to skip? This is referring to how much could you skip within the Navi. Until the amount of time it would take for the Maturgamon to not stop his translation. So you have to really get to the next spot where you want to skip to in time that you will be there when the Maturgamon finishes translating what was read previously. Okay, interesting. Maybe so. There, maybe it's actually a better idea to then read three Pesukim at a time so that you'll give yourself more time to roll the uh, the Navi to get to the place where you need to be because it will take more time for the translator to translate those three Pesukim than it would to translate just one Pasuk. Okay, we're into the Gemara. Hani Gimel Pesukim Keregimi. So these three Pesukim, what do they correspond to? Why do we have three? Amar Ravasi, Ravasi says, Keneged Torah Nevim Ksuvim. Okay, he says it's corresponding to Torah Nevim Ksuvim. Now, this is only one answer, but we saw earlier on in Chafal Fomit that I think there was a second answer as well to correspond to Kohen Yisrael and Kohen Levi and Yisrael. Uh, okay, so let's continue in this Gemara. So we said in the Mishnah, you're not allowed to read to the Maturgamon when you're reading Torah more than one Pasuk at a time. Let him translate one Pasuk at a time. And then by the Navi, you have three Pasukim at a time. However, But if you have three Pasukim in a row, which are three Parshios, three separate topics, then you read one at a time. So Kagon. So here's the example, right? You have to figure out what, what type, where will we see this in the Navi, that three Pasukim in a row are Mamish considered three different paragraphs, three different topics. So he says, for example, here's the example. We have three Pesukim in a row in Yeshaya and Perak Nun Beis, right? Chapter 52. We have Pasuk Gimel, Dalad, and Hey. So Pasuk Gimel says, Kagon, Kiko Amar Hashem, so says Hashem, Chinam Nimchartem. You have been sold for nothing. Okay, that was like one topic. 
And then the next pasuk says, "Ki ko amar Hashem, so says Hashem Elokim, Mitzrayim yaradi imi barishana." That at first my nation went down to Mitzrayim. That seems to be another topic. And then as the next pasuk, pasuk hey, it says, "Ve'ata mali po nuhu Hashem." And now, what is there for me here? Says Hashem. So it's three separate psukim, which are three separate. Uh, topics. Okay, so if when you read those in a haftarah, you have to read each one separately and let the maturgam translate each one separately. Okay, and then it says So we say that you're allowed to skip within the navi. You're not allowed to skip within the Torah. Very mean. He the Gemara asks, wait, we have a contradiction. We have a, we have a practice by Yom Kippur. We have this contradiction where it says Achremos, the Kohen on Yom Kippur. We he read Achremos, which is in Vayikra. Tes Zion Pasuk Aleph, which talks all about the Avoda on Yom Kippur. And then he skips, va, va, then he says, Ve'ach Be'asor, right, which is in Vayikra, Chav Gimel, Chav Zion. So he's skipping, you know, seven chapters in in, in Vayikra. So Vahakam Adalik. So we see that he's skipping, but this is Torah reading. This is not Navi. How is he skipping in the Torah? So what's going on? There's Amar Rabbi. So Rabbi says, Lo kash. It's not a question. Why? So Rabbi first wants to answer that. He first wants to answer. It's not a kasha. Why? Because here we're talking about where he got to the next spot. He got the Perich of Gimel in Vayikra. Um, where the, uh, so first, sorry. First, when can you not skip? It's when Shiyaf Sukkah Turgamon, when the Turgamon was going to stop already and you wouldn't have been there. And here we're talking about where he skipped, the Kohen skipped from Achrimos to Achba Asor and Vayikra, where you were able to reach there, where the Turgamon did not stop yet. His translation, he wasn't, he didn't conclude his translation. Okay, so Abayah says, when can you not skip within the Torah? It's when you can't reach the next spot before the Maturgamon stops translating. When can you skip? It's when the Maturgamon was, was not going to be finished yet with his translation. However, the problem is this, the Ha'alakatani, but didn't we see we, we learned this in the Mishnah. We said Torah. We said you could skip by the Navi and you can't skip by the Torah. And then we said Va'ad Kamahu Medalik and how much can you skip when you're reading the Navi? It's when You're allowed to skip within the Navi to the place where the to a place where the translator won't have will not have finished his translation yet before you reach that spot. Miklal, that implies the Torah klal klalo. That implies that by the Torah, no matter what, you're never supposed to allow to skip. That even if you can reach the next spot before the Maturgman finishes translation, still you can't skip. That's the implication of our Mishnah. So what's going on here? So Ella, we still have to answer because we see that by uh, the Kohanim, by Yom, Kipp- by Yom Kippur, he was skipping. So Ella, so rather, Amr Abai, Abai gives another answer. Lokash, it's not a question why. Kan be'inyan echad, kan yanos. The truth is like this. One here, we're talking about Yom Kippur. It's one topic, Be'inun Echad. If you're with one topic, if he's reading about Achremos, which is Yom Kippur, and then he skips to Ve'ach Be'asor, which is also the 10th day, it's talking about Yom Kippur, there you can skip even by the Torah. Okay. However, Kan Bishteinianos, but when can you not skip within the Torah? It's when it's two separate topics. And you know what? Ve'hatanya, and we also learned this idea in Abraisa. We have a proof from Abraisa where it says, Medalgim Torah Be'inun Echad. That you're allowed to skip within the Torah when it comes to one topic. And when it comes to Navi, you can even skip two topics to a second topic. Okay. But when, regarding both by Torah, when you're skipping within one topic, or both by Navi, when you're skipping within two topics, both of them, you have to get to the place where you want to skip to before the Maturgamon has stopped translating. 
Okay, so that's so that seems to be the answer that in our Mishnah, we're talking about two topics, but in this teaching, and especially when it comes to Yom Kippur, it was one topic, that being Yom Kippur, and that's why you can skip from one place to another. Tani Idach, and there was another Brisa that, we, that, we, that was taught. Sorry, another, another teaching is you're not allowed to skip within from Navi to Navi. So you could skip within two topics, but it sounds like it has to be within the same Navi, like in the Sefer Yeshaya. Yeah, it's huge, and you have two topics, but it's still within the same Navi. But this teaching is saying you can't go from one Navi to another. I can't go from Yeshaya to Yirmiyahu or Yeshaya to Yechezkel. However, Uvenavi Shoshnemasar, but by the Navi of Treyasar, which is 12 very small uh, books of Navim, it's all considered one book, Treyasar, then Medalek, you're allowed to skip within Treyasar because they're so close together. It's really all considered like one book. Uvalvad, however, on condition, but one thing you can't do is you can't skip from the from the end of the Sefer to its beginning. Then it will take too long, and then that won't work. Okay, so we got the answer as to when you can skip within the Torah. It has to be one topic, and that's why on Yom Kippur you were allowed to do so. By Navi, you can skip within two topics, but you can't skip from one Navi to another. And within Treyasar, even though you could usually skip, you can't skip from the very end to the very beginning. We'll stop here. Yeah, share. Koach.